Welcome to the Music Book Club, brought to you by Automatic Panic. In each episode, we choose an album, listen to it, and talk about it. I'm Andy Payne, with me is Azin Khan. Hello. And our guest today is the patriarchal Andy Turner. Hi. How are you? I'm I'm really, really good. Really good. Um, for for, for a, a Sunday morning, I'm, I'm excellent. I mean, it's, uh, it used to be Sunday mornings for sort of... Uh, Sort of feeling fatigued, nursing a hangover. Now, you know, we had a we've had a baby in lockdown, and now Sunday mornings are nursing a different kind of fatigue, where the baby's <laughs> been up for yeah, you know, <laughs> he he was up every hour last night. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fighting for it. I've had a couple of cups of coffee, um, <laughs> so I'm feel, feeling pretty good. <laughs> nice. Nice. How about you, Asin? Yeah, I'm pretty well as well. Actually, it's a it's a nice day. Uh, yeah, now that the rain stopped, the sun's trying to come out. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't really have much to report because it is, as we were saying, lockdown. So basically, <laughs> been at home listening to music and generally hanging out. I had a bit of an injury thing going on, um, but I think that's that's behind me now, so I can play guitar again. And uh, thanks to random physio gym dudes on the internet <laughs> for that. Yeah. Uh, right then, uh, today we are discussing Clutch's Psychic Warfare, released in 2015. If you haven't listened to it yet, press pause and go do it now! Right, well we're assuming that everyone has uh, followed our advice and listened to it. Um, how do you guys find it? So this is a superb album, right? And I mean, it kind of goes without saying because we've picked <laughs> it for a series here. And I remember when we we said... We knew that we were just going to do a Clutch album. We were like, oh, but then we thought, which one? Because they have loads of cracking albums, and that's what they're really good at. This their their albums are so focused, and they they really take you through. And at no stage do, in my in my opinion, any of their albums, even the longer ones, drag. This one is a perfect length. It's about almost exactly forty minutes mm. long from start to finish, and I, I I do think that's the that's the absolute like holy grail of album length. Some, <laughs> somehow it's not too long and it's not too short. It just works. And you come away from it really satisfied. Because um, I listened to it again this morning and that's exactly how I felt. I was just like, oh yeah, it's over now. And it just felt right. I completely agree with that. It's very old school in the approach where, you know, an album was limited by the format. So you can only squeeze so much music onto a single record. I like that it's a single record and they've not gone mm. sort of double vinyl or anything like that. I like being able to go, okay, side one. Okay, listen to that. Side two. And I like the way that the, um, the, the, the sort of tracks are ordered. So the first side is, is almost like a, a single story. Mm. And you know, the tracks flow one into another. You know, it's a, it's a sort of, there, there is a loose narrative running yeah. through all of those. And then side two is sort of a little bit sort of looser, and there's more conventional clutch songs. There's not so much of a narrative, but that's that's fine. It, you know, it's it, it it just works as a a perfect length. And yeah, you say as in it's 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 a satisfying listen. It doesn't wear you out like some of the mm. some of the other ones, which are a little bit too long. The first side is really really focused, mm. yeah. as Andy was saying. It doesn't really let up, and the, and the danger for an album like that, when you have a first side like that, is the second side doesn't really live up to it. But here, it really does. Like, there's no drop off at all. And I know we said it a few times with about 
some of the albums where we say, oh, there's no real filler here. There really isn't any filler here. It's just constant and it's amazing. Um, and they're really good at that. Some of the albums that we've talked about, one criticism we've had of a few of them is that there may be a couple of songs heavy and it's not like you could identify a weak song. It's just that, like you're saying, they drag that little bit extra. Whereas this really, like you kind of, you get to Son of Virginia and you're like, oh, wow, what a climax. And then it's over and it's perfect. And the, the way that, yeah. um, like you're saying, there's a, there's a concept half, which is a one nice self-contained story and then kind of looser things in the same sort of narrative. And then it mm, ends yeah. with, and you, you've got this like book ending of the, um, police investigator asking, uh, mm. for the guy to give his, uh, statement. The affidavit. Yeah, exa yeah, exactly. And then the, the kind of the way it wraps up just at the end. What's the word? It's, it's like a well constructed novel almost in the, it's grounded in a very realistic scenario right at the beginning and end. But then the tangents and the stuff it goes through as you as you flow, this is a real feature of Neil Fallon in general, is how he weaves this huge sci-fi world, um, like alternate universe narrative mm. through so many very of his sort of works. Philip K. Dick. Yeah, yeah. It, I think and he actually um, he directly of... referenced uh, Philip yeah, K. Dick for yeah. the influence for this album. And I think Andy, you and I were having a discussion about this once where you know, we were talking about Neil Fallon as a songwriter. Mm. And we sort of said, well, he's not, he's less a songwriter, more a storyteller. Exactly. Um, and he's really good at that. You know, and then you combine that with the band, <laughs> who are also just incredible. <laughs> and then you get this, I mean, like, a, as an opener, X-Ray Visions, it just hits the ground, right? And you're just like, especially after the affidavit bit, and it's like, well, start at the beginning. Down, 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 down. And you're just like, it's really dramatic. Mm. That's the thing and in, in, in like in the sort of proper sense of that word it's it there's a lot of drama it feels like like you said it's a story it's like a it's almost like the beginning of a film and it yeah just it, hits you in it's it's straight to the point i mean that the, there's there's not a lot of musically there's not a lot of fat on this album it's very very lean straight to the point driving songs um None of them are over long. Uh, I mean, it's sort of starting off with X-Ray Visions. It was that the, the whole album sort of seems to be sort of steeped in sort of Americana and American iconography. And, it, you know, where, where, where the story works is it kind of allows you to fill in the gaps yourself because you've got a narrative running through the lyrics, but you, you kind of flesh it out. I'm sort of looking at this. I'm like, okay, this... It's kind of like you know some kind of MK Ultra guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. They've 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 let him out to see what happens. You know, he's he's uh, sort of holed up in a hotel, tapping Morse code down the phone, and then becomes possessed by Ronald and Nancy Reagan <laughs> again. You know, sort of quite sort of you know American icons and sort of Nancy Reagan being involved in sort of all that. <laughs> You know, sort of mm. astrology and medium. You know, it's very famously, and wakes up and something bad's happened in some ruins. He's done something, but <laughs> you know, doesn't doesn't know what it's. it's yeah, you know, yeah. you you can you can fill in the blanks. It's a really cool song, and I, I just love the breakdown in it where he's sort of introducing the the band. Yeah, yeah. By of, their um, as, as, star as, sign. Astrology. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, so it really ties it together. It's really tight, like you said. It. You know, even even if the references seem random, they're actually really well constructed. Mm. Like you were saying that uh, about the Reagans and astrology, and then he does it by star sign. It's never explicit, right? It just you just fill in the blanks. Like you said, he's a very good, um, he's a really good unreliable narrator. He'll give you the ideas. You've got to put them together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what you were saying about this being like an Americana, it takes you on a, a bit of a journey. Like I, I, I noted that there's references to Massachusetts with like Salem and the witch. Uh, stuff. Then there's um, Quick Death in Texas. 
and then it ends with a uh, son of Virginia. So you also feel not only that you're kind of being taken through a bit of this like uh, mystic journey and um, it's all mythical the journey. There's also an actual geographical thing. The towns and cities he references in Firebird mm. are all in California, if I'm correct. Right. I, I looked it up once, and I could be wrong, but I think they're California. They're actual places in California, like Plasto and um, Needles and these sorts of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of um, kind of name dropping towns <laughs> and cities and states across across all of Clutch, but I don't mm. think there's another Clutch album where he's dropping so many from everywhere. You know, it's north, south, mm. east, west. Yeah, it's yeah, it is all it's all over the place. But it's, mm. it kind of gives you this vibe of being taken on a road trip. You know, sort of starting out and then you're moving into Firebirds, which again is that's that's the sort of most sci-fi song on the album. It's to me, it's it's kind of like a you know it's, it's more like a sort of fifties sci-fi story. Exactly, because it's got the Firebird right, which is a c- kind of classic muscle car, if I if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and energy weapons. <laughs> <laughs> but that that was the era of this kind of you know with the space race and everything. Sci-fi really took off in that post-war fifties, mm. sixties era. Yeah, it's amazing stories, wasn't it? The sort of the science fiction magazine they had, and that <laughs> yeah. just sort of ran up. Sort of, yeah. it was in his peak in the fifties, and you know that was all like energy weapons. So you've got this kind of juxtaposition of sort of fifties sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, and they, they they carry that on in Book of Bad Decisions as well. You have in walks Barbarella, where yeah. he like hops in his seventies and he's in like a motel in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> and then he's on a spaceship. <laughs> it's like it's nuts. I think it's great. I like that he's, he's sort of you know this this girl turns up and yeah he's obviously taking a fancy to her. He's, he's trying to impress her. She's going I'm after some uh, a fire, a fire bird and some energy weapons. He's going I've got a Datsun. <laughs> Datsun okay. And so, so he's 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 you know he's, he goes off with her and he's he's obviously sort of trying it on with her. But she seems very focused on getting a firebird and some energy weapons <laughs> and. <laughs> What he's got on offer isn't good enough. She's sort of oblivious to his agenda and he's kind of oblivious to hers. It just seems like a bit of a farce. Yeah, I find in Clutch's stuff, there's like a whole meta thing going on that he writes about, he's even said it himself. He says, like, I've been writing about the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Within all their albums, you can find all these threads. Like the girl in Firebirds may well be Barbarella, you know, like, before she <laughs> yeah. gets her, her energy <laughs> weapons. It's it's all tied together and I think it's awesome. There's uh, Mice and Gods as well from uh, Robot High of mm. Exodus, which uh, yes. when you, then yeah. you've got uh, the Behold the Colossus, Colossus um, mm. could well be the same thing because that's all about uh, the Colossus and the monsters versus men um, and yeah. hence the Mice and Gods uh, link. There's, uh, I think, from your love is incarceration, he says, in Tapanuka uh, with the garden hose and yellow pages. And it's just this throwaway yeah. reference to this, like, other other story <laughs> that he's not even going into. That That's the kind of, like, master storyteller thing where you can just have throwaway lines because you've thought about what other things have happened and then how actually that's not uh, the one thread that you're actually wanting to show to people. It's, it's a bit like sort of clutch cinematic universe. Exactly. You know, like everything is, they're all in, all the albums are in different <laughs> places, and so, but they all link together. They're all in that same shared universe. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. mind. Mm. You, 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 yeah, it's like, it's like, here, I take, take this away and you figure out what you can do with some garden hose and yellow yeah. pages. And, <laughs> you, know, you might find you end up in a bit of a dark place, but, um, you know, that's, that's, that's down to you. You, you did that, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and like you were saying, it fills in, you have to fill in the gaps. It makes you do work. I, I always like this kind of stuff where nothing is just thrown at you on a plate. You know, this is how you think, this is what happened. It's, 
just sort of narrating what happens and you can fill in the blanks if you know enough about some of the other songs. Mm. What you were saying about um, the there's, there's no um, musical fact in the album at all. A lot of the songs are just to the point. They tell a bit of a story, then there's the chorus, then there's the next part of the story, and then there's a little alt bit, but it, it's all vocal-led through, and ly- lyrical-led, mm. rather, I should say, mm. um, as you go mm. through. And then the music is there, there without any adornment. And I think this is one of those albums where the flow of the music perfectly chimes with the feel of the the lyrics and the story that you're getting and so you're pushed straight onto the next part of the narrative without having to indulge overly annoying instrumental sections that are there because someone had a good idea one day um without thinking yeah. of the bigger picture yeah <laughs> yeah it's really lean in that it, mm, exactly exactly when um this album came out i was sort of um you know Listen to it. I was like, it's not as heavy. It's not as rocky. I'm, I'm not too sure about this. And it was actually you, Andy, who encouraged me to go back and give it another chance. You're like, no, nah, this is, this is, this is better than Earth Rocker. Give it another go. <laughs> and so, it's, so I went back to it, and I was like, actually, yeah. The, you sort of look into it, and you get those threads of Americana that start to resonate, and you are listening to it like an album rather than individual tracks, and it's a story. Yeah. Then you realise actually, this is, a, this is very, very clever very very well thought out mm. album it deserves mm. it deserves you know, not just a second listen but you know multiple multiple listens yeah i've listened to this album loads of times and that's that's the difference to me between earth rocker and psychic warfare they're produced by machine the same guy uh, who also did blast tyrant yeah but i also really love book of bad decisions which is done by vance powell who is one of my favorite producers he's done work with jack white he's worked with chris stapleton and a whole bunch of other rock artists and he is also great and it but they has a very different approach i think from machine and so i think between the two of them they get something really good out of clutch and i do agree that machine does it a little bit better maybe <laughs> that's just something about the sound that what he apparently too i have i've seen sort of little like docky things where on clutch's youtube channel where they show how they make the albums and when they do the machine ones he hangs out in the room with them they like write and record and he and he's sort of recording the they're sort of demos, but they're writing demos. And he just stands there and he like rocks out in the room with them, just sort of headbanging and like listening on headphones <laughs> and whatever. And it seems to work for them because I think they're they're an old school band that way. They're not very, they're not, some bands, you know, they sort of sit in the studio and it's a bit ponderous and they, you know, one guy is doing their thing one, and they each do it one at a time. I don't think Clutch do that as much there. I mean, they will come in over dub stuff again, but my point is that they really capture that feeling. Neil Fallon was saying actually that um, in one or two of the albums before this one, they actually hadn't um, worked together, and he was saying like he hadn't mm. seen oh, he that. hadn't seen uh, the guitarist. Uh, is that Tim Sol? Tim Sol. Yeah, Tim Sol. Um, Tim, Tim yeah. Sol. So yeah. he uh, Neil Fallon hadn't seen him in the recording process until it came to mixing. Uh, from right. the previous albums, whereas this one, they deliberately like so they went on tour, came back, did rehearsal, recorded it all, then they went away, came back, and they played these songs on tour as well. And so he was saying, mm. uh, and th- this is my my standout part of the album is the uh, the feel and the little extra bits that Neil Fallon adds in uh, in his vocal delivery. And he was saying that um, that only came from playing the song for the tenth or the fifteenth time live where, you know, you're a couple of beers in, you don't need to think about the lyrics because, you know, if you're recording something, uh, you've just, like, written it and then you record it straight away, you're reading off the lyric sheet, you're you're focused on remembering the words, not the delivery. Whereas if you have rehearsed it so thoroughly and you're to the point where you can play it live, you don't need any lyric sheets, you can actually add those. Yeah, exactly. And you add those little bits of feel and the kind of the nuance that you would give in the delivery of something that's 
you, you know you know it it's a it's a proper memory and you can express yeah. it fully and he's so so good at doing that on this album exactly you have to have the confidence to go for those things when you know the song mm. because i find that doing it the other way and like recording your very early impressions of the song can also be really interesting because there's a kind of naivety to it but you're totally right when it comes to the vocals in particular um you can get a little bit caught up in getting it correct <laughs> because you probably haven't rehearsed it as much and I, I like we've been through this and it's it's better to have played it loads of times live and some and when you play things live you sometimes find you know like you're saying after a year of playing a song you might go add a little thing to it that suddenly just sort of lifts it up a little bit and you go oh this is awesome and then you think i wish this was on the record <laughs> like i have the same thing without with our song marionette because i had this like little baseline kind of rev the dum 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 and it's just not there in the record i really like it and i'm like ah it should have been there and you find yeah if you if you see a, a band live and you go, oh, this is a great song. This sounds awesome. You might hear a live recording version of it. You might see it, see it live. And you go, oh, check out the album, and you find the album sounds a little bit flat and a little bit like it's uh, you know going through the motions. And you go, oh, right, okay, they they recorded this too soon. This is hard. This is like half yeah. baked. Mm-hmm. You know, they should have gone out there, worked out the kinks on the road, and then came back and you know done it done it then. And um, you know. That, uh, I, th- I think that's you know why a lot of debut albums sound so fresh is because you know you've had they've had so much time to you know go out and write these songs and re- sort of play them live before actually building up to creating a record rather than writing and recording in the studio then going out and playing it live and you know you, you do it you, it's it's very sort of you know cart before the horse doing it that way you know sometimes it works I mean the studios can be brilliant for getting ideas down and those happy mistakes that you sometimes capture but I think if, if for a traditional rock record you've got to get out there and yeah, you know, you've got to play it, work the kinks out, and then come mm, back into the mm. studio. And that's that's why probably this record sounds so fresh. You know, it's very, very on the beat. Yeah, the top of the game there, right? Like, there's no sort of faffing around. It's, it's all really well constructed. And I, and I, and I, I, Andy, I've come to sort of agree with you with this. I think it's better to have played it for a little while, in most cases, and then come and record it, because you know what's what. And you can play with it a little bit in studio. And like I said, because you know it so well, you can go for these little things. You can go, oh, what if I try this? What if I try that? Because you've already probably done it. Yeah. Yeah. What was your those videos of them in the studio? I mean, Clutch are pretty sort of regular, sort of chilled out guys. <laughs> they're, 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 there's no, there doesn't seem to be sort of many egos in that band. No. And so they're in there, they're playing away and going, okay. So, and then you've got Machine in the middle of it going, yeah, 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 yeah this is he, great. Yeah. He's like, and, he's like, he uh, acts like, that's what I meant. Like when he's, when they're, when the, when they're recording with him and, and he's sort of standing in the middle of it, he's like that hype man, he's sort of standing <laughs> yeah. there, like banging his head. He's just like a member of the audience, and he's like yelling, going yeah, yeah, and they're sort of just doing their thing. <laughs> but I think I think that enthusiasm's got to be it's got to be some infectiousness yeah, exactly. there. It's, it's got to inject itself into the music in some way. Like oh yeah, actually this is the band are looking again. Yes, this is this is pretty good, isn't it? Actually, yeah, yeah, good good, good work, everyone. Um, I think yeah, the, the 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 sort of tracking was done. Yeah, it's um, his studio in Texas, mm. so they all went down to Texas, and, that, and I, th- I think the location. I mean, Texas kind of yeah, it just seems to this album seems to ooze Texas mm. to me. Yeah. And then they went back and they did the vocal tracking and uh, Neil's guitar parts. I think they did that in Maryland back in their own. Yeah, studio. which is called the Doom Saloon. Yeah, the Doom <laughs> Saloon. Yeah, because yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the liner notes, and yeah, you're right. It, so the the tracks were recorded at the Machine Shop um, in Austin, and then. Uh, Back in Maryland, the rest of the overdubs. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that sort of kind of whole vibe has found its way into the It's particularly with the guitar tones, I think, as mm. well. There's some, there's some real kind of authentic American guitar tones. I can't really sort of 
describe it any mm. better than that. But it's um, yeah, some some real sort of authentic hot blues stuff in it, there. They're very very um, obvious that each instrument. In fact, you're just like, oh yeah, that's that's what a guitar sounds like. Like yeah. that is what yeah, that yeah, is what a exactly proper that, rock yeah. vocalist sounds like. That's what a, yeah, that's what vocal, drums the, sound like. It's all the vocal mm. is so um. I mean, we can do a whole episode on Neil Fallon's voice, I think, <laughs> because he, he's like, it's it's it has the high pitch that you often need in rock to cut through, but at the same time, it's so like ridiculously gnarly <laughs> in this that it just takes up a lot of space. It it does to my mind it it behaves in a similar way to a distorted guitar, if you see what I mean. Yeah, you have the pure notes and everything. But then they're driven. He has a, he has this amazing drive to his voice that um, you know the last the last episode we recorded was Audio Slave. And Chris Cornell is a, another person like that, but but Chris Cornell has a sort of more razor edge voice, whereas um, Neil Fallon's is just full range. And if you listen to the mixes, it takes up a lot more space in the mix than often you hear in other rock tracks. What I find with other you know people who aren't Neil Fallon, if if you if you if you pull up the vocal that much, the, the track starts sounding a little bit flat because the vocal sounds like it's not struggling to be heard, and it doesn't. And yeah. it doesn't sound like it's sort of heavy. But with clutches stuff, it just doesn't happen. Like you can push the guitars back a little bit, and it still just sounds massive because just that's how Neil Fallon sounds. He's just a mix of rage, testosterone, and whiskey. You know, it's just like <laughs> and it just comes right through, and it's awesome. Like it's it's a real like sound to behold, and even his. You know, you can hear it in his speaking voice as well, which is really low, but it's like it has this sort of guttural quality, which is, um, I don't know how he, you know, if he was born like that or if he's used to smoke or if it's all the drinking and I don't know, um, <laughs> but it's 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 but really he, cool. He's kind of sitting, the way, the way his voice sits, it sort of sits kind of where the, you know, the sort of lower mid range of the guitar would sit in a lot of ways. So the guitar mm. sounds aren't that heavy, mm, but exactly in concert with the with his voice you know it kind of adds to you know his voice is like the overdrive exactly <laughs> exactly it, yeah it, it makes it, it makes the whole thing sound heavier yeah um because yeah. it yeah you know, without it it just sounds it's, it's almost some of it's almost conventional blues rock yeah, but yeah. having neil fallon in there just drives it mm. forward and you know just just makes it sound like you know sort of that's you know drives it into that sort of rock metal territory yeah and this this album in particular has a very vintage sound there's not there's barely any top and there's barely any bass like low end at some points i can't even identify the bass guitar yeah. so easily because it just doesn't have a lot of low end the kick has plenty of thump but it's not that sort of i don't know 50 hertz kind of thump it's more like 80 hertz it, it, it's hertz, the sound kind of. it's almost um of the it's the zeppelin school of bass drum sounds like quite big and open but because um uh, but you're capturing the uh the whole frequency of the drum and so you get the bass properly from it rather than rather than trying to control it too much yeah it's on that modern kind of big low end it just doesn't have it on this album mm. but you don't miss it really that's you'd miss it i think if it had lots of top at the same time if it had lots of top top end like high end frequency and not a lot of bass it might sound a bit tinny mm. but it do, it just doesn't it has a really rich mid-range um everything's really sort of forward um and the lack of focused yeah the lack of bass helps sort of helps the clarity a bit um so that it's it's really it's balanced i should say even if it's missing in absolute terms the top end and the low end it's still well balanced so you don't really miss anything it's only when you switch on something else maybe another clutch album or something else entirely you go oh okay there was not a lot of bass or a lot of top there but while you're listening to it it's just not a problem and i think that's the important thing they made, they made some very tasteful decisions with the sort of 
gear they've used on this yeah. one, I think. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, they've not gone, right, let's, let's just, you know, I want to be, we'll make everything sort of super heavy and you can hear every instrument, like you say. They've just not gone for that. They've gone for yeah. that, that sort of more old school kind of Sun Studios. Okay, let's have a band, let's make it sound like a band playing in a room yeah. with a vocal over yeah. the top. And I really appreciate that. I think that that um, these days with the, how much technology is available and everything, we, we're kind of, as an industry, if you like, almost becoming slaves to best practice you know and everyone's sort of starting to sound the same and everyone goes this is how you record this and it's not it's not true it's you know the the best way to record uh any instrument is is whatever way gets you the sound you want and that's the important thing deciding what sound do you want and nobody can tell you what that is one of the things that i really enjoy uh throughout is the use of um the dynamic uh and dynamics by the whole band um, and mm. particularly in terms of the uh, guitar parts and uh, drums. And obviously, uh, th- as we said, this is an album recorded live with all of them playing together. And you can tell they are they, they know this song inside out and they know what each person is doing at, at each point, which sometimes, mm. um, you know, if you if you are uh, not playing it together or like we said, you, you record too early, you it, it can be really difficult to capture that sense of responding to each other or knowing how to play in unison it, it's just yeah. you know individual yeah. parts layered on top and you're kind of going mm, right it's it becomes a bit of a mush ex- right? exactly whereas in this album they give each other space all the time and the mixing mm. i think also helps with that like if you listen to i think it's an x-ray visions where it goes down 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 those bits are louder than you think they are and that's what makes it so big <laughs> it comes in you yeah but when the guitar starts playing in the next bit it, you can see that they you, if i noticed over this morning i hadn't really noticed it before obviously like i felt the dynamic but then i really realize that this is probably a bit of um what you're saying andy that that uh it's just played that way but then the mixing i think is sort of exaggerated a little bit to really bring it up in those bits and then bring it back um and it shows how much you can get away with if the individual parts are creating space for each other you can actually push everything else back because the thing that's keeping your attention is always in focus so it could be the guitar the down 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 <laughs> uh, or it could then then the vocal comes in immediately and then that suddenly that's got your attention the guitars can and the drums and everything else can sort of fade a little bit back that gives you a bit of headroom for when the chorus kicks in um <laughs> so it's, it's all tastefully done um it's sim- it's simple stuff like that they haven't done it's not like oh you've used this effect or you've used this like one weird hack to get your drum sounding it's, it's a lot of it's just volume automation um, yeah, just and, dynamics, hard, yeah. hard and soft playing. Yeah, yeah, and and the playing itself, and just using the automation to accent that. Yeah, um, I think that's really important. And, and you're right, the dynamics of this album are superb. Mm. It's not, it's not. You know, we've complained in some of the other ones where the albums have been a bit smashed in the mastering and whatever. This one really isn't. It's really open. And and um, and to, to to go with that as well, um, JP Gaster is an absolute master of yeah. the understated drum part uh saying the same thing about um yeah. brad wilk um from audio slave raging against the machine like the you listen to the parts and you're going then they're, they're not that complicated or they're not that difficult but actually knowing how to rein in your the top level of your ability to absolutely nail the part the song needs 
gives so much more space for the guitar or the vocal. And then in the parts where you are more expansive, it, it means so much more. And I think, uh, it's gonna have just doing this, uh, this season actually and, and looking at these albums in detail and considering why they sound so good is really going to change how I approach the next recording that we do. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. We've done like, this is like a whole kind of homework. <laughs> Absolutely. Of it's then, then moving into the, uh, thing. And then like, you know, we were saying today, I think we'll, cause I, I want whenever we do the next, what we're writing an album right now, but what I want to do is, then play it together many, many times and even record it that way um, for exactly the reasons we've been talking about. Mm. Um, and I'm looking forward to sort of applying the lessons that we've learned from these classic <laughs> albums. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Create your own classic yeah. album. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's the plan. That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, isn't, isn't that always the plan, though? Uh, <laughs> all the uh, millions of albums yeah, no, that have been nobody, produced. Nobody, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think anybody goes into like a recording session and says, you know what, I'm going to make the second best record we've ever made today. <laughs> I know. I'm going to make something some, something adequate. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some people do, but it is just care anymore. I mean, to be honest, Cl Clutch could definitely get away with going like, oh, let's just make an adequate album. It'll still be decent. Like, we yeah, know this. Yeah. Like this. <laughs> do you have a favourite song on this album? Yes. Yeah, I... I um and I don't know if it's, it's sort of a particularly popular one. Sucker for the Witch is my oh, favourite mm. one on this album. Um, it's it, I, I think it's probably the most immediate for me. It's, it's, it, it starts off, you know, quite sort of understated, but it's, it's when the chorus <sighs> kicks in and you've got that sort of sort of slow backwards on the wah pedal and um, it's, it's just such a strong vocal on the chorus mm. as well. It just hits you. Mm. I'm like, that's that... that is you know that 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 came sort of a little, you know a little bit left of field sort of a sucker punch that chorus it, it really like is that. yeah because and, because it, the sort of pre-chorus bit comes twice and the first time it just it falls back into the riff right so and then you and then when it comes again you're sort of implicitly expecting that thing to come again but then it there's like a rest and then the chorus just comes just sort of charging in like this yeah. huge chord it's just, and um yeah that's one of my favorites as well and I I really really struggle to find a favorite song in this album because <laughs> I, I, like I started naming my favorite songs and in the end I just started realizing I was naming all the songs <laughs> in the album like <laughs> and just in a different order <laughs> like where do I start to Sucker for the Witch was was going to be one of my contenders but I'm going to try and think of a different one um, I really like Behold like, the Colossus the, um... Decapitation Blues is a really interesting one as well because it's sort of written about himself um, he had a he actually had a an operation on his spine and he had a, some kind of accident when he was a kid. And then he said, oh, like, years and years of headbanging mm. uh, meant that his, his, his spine was, and his spinal cord was basically hanging on by a thread. And he had to have an operation ah. where they grafted in cadaver bones that were like composites of lots of different people into his spine. And he's not supposed to headbang. And uh, uh, the story about this song is he, when the band started playing it, he started headbanging. And then he was like, oh, hey, I'm not allowed to do this anymore. And that's where the sort of idea came. And, and um, that's where the, the Congress of Corpses is always in session. <laughs> it's a really cool line. And it comes from the fact yeah. that he has dead people's spinal you know, ah. material in his thing. And he said, they're always there, you know, and it's, the, the, it's just awesome. And mm. I love this kind of stuff. It's kind of horror. It's kind of sci-fi. Yeah. And it's real life in this case as well. So that is, that is a strong contender as well. Behold the Colossus is just massive just the whole way through. It has this kind of, to me, it has this kind of immigrant song kind of 
driving, galloping, and I think this just comes from the rhythms, right? Because it's sort of triplety. Um, I think my favorite song might be Firebirds. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, you got. You can't. It's it's, a, it's tough to argue. But exactly. <laughs> caveat being that all of them are awesome. So it's really, I'm just sort of picking them, mini 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 mowing these. Um, I mean, Behold the Colossus. That's kind of that. That sounds to me like it's yeah. You know, that could be on sort of Robot High of Exodus. That's mm. it's got that kind of. You're getting into sort of um, you know sort of into fantasy sort of gorgons and things things yeah. like that. Yeah. And so, so I'm like, okay, that's, that's that was. I can see why they put that on this sort of side too, where it's you know you've got you're going from different places, um, and then decapitation blues. I'm so glad you said that because I couldn't figure out what the hell that song was about. So that actually <laughs> right. makes sense. Now. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is that it's like you know he was he, he was close to being in real trouble apparently um, with the way it was, and they grafted it, you know, this other material on, and this sort of miraculous um, thing. But he's not <laughs> supposed to be headbanging. <laughs> The cover of this, you know, the cover with the um, the, the sort of um, gun barrels of the ship and the victory statue in, in, in the middle, yeah. That is um, from a battleship called the USS Massachusetts, which was um, built around, it was 1897. It was the second proper American battleship and also known as the worst battleship it ever <laughs> made. Um, <laughs> because... Uh, um, when the um, when both its front gun turrets turned to the same side, it would actually sort of yaw and the and pull the ship to one side, and the deck would sink. No. And so, so 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 it was you know it, it had massive massive design flaws, and um, um, eventually it was sort of towed towed out to the Gulf of Mexico, and they used it for target practice. And um, that, so it, it eventually it sank, and it's still there, and it's actually a a, a natural reef now, and people dive it. So oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah. I thought, but it just shows, shows how like tight the whole kind of concept is, that, mm. uh, and it's not, and it's not, it's not obvious, but it all links together. Like if it's, it's like you're saying that if you just start to research any little bit of it, it all ties together. You know, it's yeah. called the USS Massachusetts. And you're like, ah, oh, okay, like, I get it, and um, that's that's really admirable because that takes that takes work. Yeah, um, I, um, I uh, my favorite is uh, a quick death in Texas. I uh, it, yeah. it's just it's uh, it, I think it's the groove and the way that the um, the song dynamics just take you through it as well and that um, and the, the chorus is uh, probably my favourite part of the album yeah like yeah. Uh, best guitar tone on oh, the album yeah. yeah best guitar tone yeah, on the album it's, it's a really good song and it it has that like, clutch really good there's pretty much on every one of their albums they have one of these kind of mid-tempo rock songs that are just outstanding so there's cypress grove yeah it's very Tyrant. cypress grove yeah um, exactly yeah and dc sound attack <laughs> on uh earth rocker and uh quick death in texas on this album and they just do it so well because they obviously we know that they're That's, amazing uh, it's like really in your face uh, fast in walks barbarella stuff. is also like this oh sort yeah of exactly like, exactly mm. yeah it's, it's like the one on book of bad decisions mm. there's always one and it's always outstanding and i really I, like a quick death in texas is especially you know i said earlier that their music is really dramatic in the in the the it's like an intro for a film the x-ray visions and stuff like that um, it sets the scene and everything. And I think Quick Death in Texas is almost like a mini drama by itself because obviously there's a story. and But even how it's arranged musically, it sort of has like a three-act structure yeah. like um, yeah. like movies do, you know. And so you have the setting the scene and it's, the, the first bit is quite long because it's the 
two verses in, in the chorus and then it has the middle bit with the preacher and the and then oh, it just the Winchester yeah, rifle oh, that is, exactly that is the but best when that co- the best like three <laughs> lines ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the uh, it's, 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 it is like what people who aren't from Texas think of Texas right like there's a preacher bible gun Cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and um, and you got a little nod to Billy Gibbons in there as yeah, well. You yeah, can't, yeah. you can't have Mr. a song Gibbons. about Texas without yeah, yeah, yeah. nodding to Billy Gibbons. <laughs> and um, there's a and it, and it, also uh, just on the lyrics as well. It, and I wanted to say this for the the whole album, like about Neil Fallon's storytelling, is it, there's so much like tongue in cheek awareness humor yeah, that's yeah. in there, and it's yeah. like um, uh, he attempted to cauterize his wounds. And he did yeah. a terrible job, and they became powerfully infected. <laughs> it's like powerfully oh. infected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and you can see how because he's talking about something that happened, and you just like that that ref- that reflective lightness on something that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you laugh, and it's it it has a it has this levity, and I think we made the same sort of point about Jack White's lyric writing in the Elephant, and it just it, something can be really dark, and it it never really gets do me if you know what i mean it's it always has this tongue-in-cheek thing and that that that's what helps carry it along and then when that that last bit hits you know the boom it just comes into it and it just changes up completely mm. um so like the three parts of that song are just outstandingly well put together um, yeah exactly all right i i think that is probably <laughs> a good place to wrap up is there anything that you've been working on that you want to plug andy um no <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've, I've, I've been working on a human, um, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I, yeah, so it's all kind of taken a bit of a step back with uh, with with sort of Ted mm. being born. So yeah, it's just just trying out from different ideas, and um, yeah, if any of it's any good, then uh, yeah, I'll, you'll be the first to hear. But uh, there's nothing at the moment I would <laughs> <laughs> actually want to say. Yeah, check this out because yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 not really yeah, there yet. <laughs> maybe the miracle of uh, parenthood, but uh, apart from that. Um, yeah. Aside from the miracle of parenthood, which is yeah, which I, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely sort of love, yeah, love being a dad and yeah, seeing seeing him develop. That's 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 the great thing. It's all sort of very, you know, it sounds all mushy, but it's in a cliched, but it's, it's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's it's um, sort of finding those that time to come up here and just start, you know, working on some stuff and recording some stuff before I get called down for dinner or to change the baby or to put him to bed and you know. Which is yeah, obviously more important than <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> writing, r- r- writing some sort of uh, post rock demos. <laughs> uh, as in, we got anything? Yeah. So in our case, uh, we were gearing up for our our exclusive uh, exclusive releases that we're doing for our male subscribers. So if you haven't already um, checked that out, uh, go to our website and click subscribe and you will be able to get an exclusive EP that will not be released for a very long time elsewhere. If ever. Yeah. Um, so I've been putting together the, the release materials for that, uh, as well as finishing off a couple of the songs. Um, and uh, now that I can play guitar again, I can start... <laughs> Sort of writing more riffs and and, uh, <laughs> and uh, working on that. I think you know I tidied it up, and we have about six or seven songs already on the go um, for the new, you know, we, for the new LP. So hopefully they'll be released at some point during twenty twenty one, probably towards the end of the year. Um, but don't hold me to that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, we like we were just saying many times, maybe we'll play it, want to pl- rehearse it through, and really, really get the hone the material a lot yeah 
Um, so yeah, it's exciting. Mm. I would like to plug uh, live music. Go and see it as soon as it is it is available in your area again, mm. um, and mm. support no, not support actually just go for your own enjoyment. Like don't worry about yeah. this support live music bollocks. Just uh, uh, actually reconnect with why you like it. Yeah, and that's all that matters. Exactly, that will support it. And then the, yeah, exactly. The live scene will come from that. Oh, I will, I will, I will plug oh, yeah. something actually. Just you could, yeah, chop this in. I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't go plug. It. Um, uh, if I didn't plug affluenza exit bag and helium technique on Spotify and anything by Jim Fontaine yeah. on Spotify. Check it yes. out. <laughs> both, uh, both excellent bands. Brilliant. Uh, well, thank you uh, for joining us, Andy, and uh, we hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really enjoyed it. No, our pleasure, man. Great was, to have you. It was a good one. And uh, thank you to you for listening. Uh, let us know what you think. Subscribe. Give us five stars. And uh, yeah, particularly let us know what you think of uh, the album and whether you agree with what we said. And uh, we will see you for the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Yeah, exactly. All right. I I think that is probably a good place to wrap up. Yeah, I mean, we kind of wrapped up a while ago. We didn't talk about other stuff now. <laughs> <laughs>